0: good morning everybody happy thursday to you and i feel like i should say merry christmas we're in isaiah chapter 9 with this great messianic prophecy unto us a child is born unto us the son is given sounds like christmas to me but let's talk about it isaiah chapter 9 is where we are today my name is tim harris this is Tim with tim and uh, you probably know that. Thank you for being so faithful. I, I know some of you are with me every single day. Most of you aren't with me live, and uh, and that's okay. Uh, those of you who are, uh, we're tight. You're special. But but my goodness, I know some of you are so faithful to watch later uh, on your lunch break in the afternoon, in the evening, early in the morning, Edie. Uh, some of you over the weekend, I, it doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's, it's just about your time in the Word, and I'm just trying to help you be in the Word and we are going verse by verse to the book of Isaiah, and we're in chapter nine. Um, I think I've probably mentioned to you before that um, you know, the biblical authors, they didn't have chapters and verses. It wouldn't have crossed you know, Isaiah's mind to break up his writing in, in chapters and verses. And so uh, sometimes our chapters and verses, uh, again they're helpful for us simply in identifying our place or calling attention, someone else's attention to something that we're reading, but, but they don't always do a really effective job, it seems, of dividing up the correct uh, divisions, you know, as the author probably intended. I, I, I say that because uh, verse 1 of chapter 9 almost, you know, certainly belongs with chapter 8. Uh, at the same time, what follows, the poetic portion that follows you know in in certain verse 2 uh, obviously relates to it as well it's it's a continuous thought but it's a narrative portion that leads to that beautiful prophetic messianic you know oracle uh so, so start with me uh i don't know how you read the bible or what you do I, I do a whole lot of of just circling and, and underlining and writing in mind and so i started circling the word dark Way back in chapter 8, verse 20. Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. You see, I circled dark there. And then again, they will look up to heaven down on the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark. I circled it again and connected those of the line. They'll be thrown out into the darkness. Again, I circled that. And then it still keeps going. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. That's verse one. It just continues to flow all the way into verse two. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. You know, that's what happens when you just sort of, you know, pick a verse out, the verse that you like, uh, because you can lose that sense of context when it says the people who walk in darkness in Isaiah, we know who they are. You know, it's It's not ambiguous, and you can't just make it mean whoever you want it to mean. I mean, it's the people who contradict His Word. It's the people who turn away from God's teachings. They're the ones completely in the dark. That's what Isaiah has already established. wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Why? Because they've turned away from the teaching, the instruction, the message of the Lord. All right? Nevertheless... Uh, In chapter 9, that time of darkness will not go on forever. You know, again, Isaiah is always balancing these really dark words. uh, No pun intended. (laughs) These words of darkness uh, and doom. with uh, these messages of hope. And my goodness, verse two starts one of the greatest messages of hope ever. It is a messianic prophecy, and it's just beautiful. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You see that? you will enlarge the nation of Israel. Its people rejoice. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. They're like warriors dividing the plunder. You'll break the yoke of their slavery. The boots of the warrior will all be burned. They'll be fuel for the fire for a child is born to us. I love that. I, I, I love that. So notice uh, what God's gonna do? God's gonna come and rule the world. I mean that's what Isaiah's prophesying. God's gonna come and rule the world. The light that shines is God's own glory. Do you see? He's gonna come to rule the world. Now, how's he gonna do that? How's he gonna do that? He's gonna send his son. I mean We know that. We see that. I mean, this passage is a messianic prophecy. Now, whenever in the ancient world, and we've talked about this, whenever a king would, you know, ascend to the throne, on the day of his coronation, he would be given these exalted Throne names. They're called throne names. And so here as the Son of God is given to us and he ascends to his throne, he is given these amazing throne names. The government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called first a wonder of a counselor or, or wonderful counselor. A wonder of a counselor. In other words, I, I know counselor, you're probably thinking about like your, like your therapist. <laughs> and and I, it's not... You know, wrong, wrong, but but the idea here is more of a, the counselor, someone who would counsel a king, you know or uh, someone who would who would just show great wisdom. And the idea here is that this is a wonder of a counselor. His wisdom, his counsel comes only from God. Mighty God. Uh, the Hebrew there is is literally uh, 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 God of a hero or, or uh, like warrior God. It's the idea that, that that this God is a is a God who triumphs, a God of power, a God of might. Again, God of a hero. I, I I love that so much. Everlasting Father, or a Father of eternity. I think is exactly what what Isaiah is saying. Just stressing the way in which God's fatherly, everlasting, loving care comes down to us through His Son, and then Prince of Peace. You know this rich, harmonious, joyful presence of life that we find in him his government and its peace will never end he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor david for all eternity the passionate commitment of the lord of heaven's armies will make this happen all right well the the question some of you might raise is well he came jesus came but the world don't look like this yet i mean the world isn't quite i mean can we just be honest there is still a whole world of people in darkness I mean, a world, and it seems like some days the darkness is growing. You know, it, it, it's not, but it seems like that sometimes to us. Um, so, if if the prophecy is that the Son of God would come and turn all this around, shine light in, in all the dark places, then why is it that He's come and 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 we're still at war? You know, and uh, there's still so many slaves and so many people carrying heavy burdens. I mean, why? It, Why? A couple of things. Throne. You you see that? And so that's why we still pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's it's breaking in. It's beginning. It's inaugurated, but it's not yet fulfilled, but it's spreading. The light is shining into the dark places. Do you see that? So in, in every instance, when you think of God wanting to change the world, understand his very first step is to change you very first step in changing the world is to change you. So that light has to shine in all the dark places in your mind, in your heart. You see that? And in all the ways in which you still live as a slave and all the ways that you still live in the bondage of your habits and your hurts and your hangups, understand God wants to set you free and in all the days when you're still carrying heavy burdens, he wants to lift them. What God wants to do to change the whole world, he wants to start by changing you. You see that? Uh, what follows then, again, Isaiah goes back, is nearly bipolar, goes back to this surely dark turn, uh, but now notice, it goes back to what I said at the beginning, how Isaiah divides his Writings not exactly according to our verses and chapters, and in this case, I just want you to see the, these next sections. It's a, it's a section of five, four, four, five, six verse oracles that all end with the same refrain. Do you see it? You're going to see it first in verse uh, chapter nine, verse twelve. Look at the end of the verse there. Even the Lord's even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. Now here's your homework. That's not the first time we've seen that refrain. Where did we see it first? In the book of Isaiah, where do we see that first? It was several chapters ago. I'll give you that hint and look back, But, but we've already seen this refrain. Even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. That's the refrain that ends that that first oracle. Do you see that? It begins, the Lord has spoken out against Jacob. His judgment has fallen upon Israel. And then it ends, that first oracle ends with that that chorus, that refrain. Even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. Now, a second oracle begins, for after all this punishment, the people still will not repent. Now, that's the key verse, verse 13. What does God want? does God want the destruction of his people? No. God wants the repentance of his people. Do you understand that? None of this is what God wants. And then we get all the way to the end of that one again. Verse 17, even then the Lord's anger is not satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. See, it's, it's like a chorus. And we have another verse, another oracle that ends up in verse 21. Even then the Lord's Uh, Anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. Now, I know that you got big on chapter 10. You're thinking, Pastor Tim, that's for tomorrow and you're already over time. And I am, but understand the first part of chapter 10 belongs in this section because it's another oracle that begins, what sorrow awaits the unjust judges. And then it ends, even then, uh, again, verse four, the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. you see that? So those oracles all go together because they have the same refrain. Even then, the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. Do you see that? Is that interesting to you? Because I really like that. Uh, the other thing I find interesting is that, honestly, in the Hebrew there, what Isaiah says is uh, his, his, uh, his, uh, his hand is outstretched yet, you know? Um, his hand is out. Even then, his anger is not satisfied. His hand is outstretched yet. Uh, It's just the irony because in any other place in scripture where it says his hand is outstretched yet, it would be a promise. It would be an an invitation. His hand is outstretched to save you, to rescue you, to bless you. But here in Isaiah, in this context, that's not what it means. Even then, his anger is not satisfied. His hand is outstretched yet. Now, Because the people have turned from God, that hand is stretched out in wrath. Uh, How terrible. It's devastating. We will pick up right here in the morning with chapter 10. Again, I've already kind of covered the first part of chapter 10, but if you haven't read it, read it, and then we'll go all the way to... uh, Uh, The end of chapter ten, which is verse thirty-four. All right, it's good stuff. I will see you here in the morning. Lord willing, ten o'clock for Tim with Tim. Did I say I love you? Did I say I did? I I thank you. Did I say any kind words? Uh, I just jumped right in, and I apologize. Uh, you, you, You mean a lot to me. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you tomorrow. All right.